Welcome to the Truth and Grace Counseling Podcast. Truth and Grace Counseling exists to provide clarity from a biblically informed perspective in order to help individuals engage life faithfully. Let's go. Hello and welcome to episode 8 of the Truth and Grace Counseling Podcast. On today's episode, we explore different ideas I have coming forward for Truth and Grace Counseling at the water cooler. There's a lot of neat ideas I have going on. They're not quite ready to be fully announced yet, but you'll get to hear some of my ramblings and brainstorming of some pretty neat ideas. In the meat section, we interview my favorite guest yet. It's just me. (laughs) So we get to try a solo meat section. Let me know what you think of it. In the last word segment, we talk about anger and ways that we can express this anger in appropriate ways. All right, I'll meet you at the water cooler. The water cooler. Hi, welcome to the water cooler. Today, I got several different announcements and things about my practice that I would like to update you on. Today, I mentioned in the intro about how this is a solo meet section. So this is just me talking. I have more guests lined up for the future, and I'm going to continue to have guests. But I would love to hear your feedback on this episode. Let me know if you enjoyed just the solo podcasting, um, just me talking talking about myself. Um, I, I have plenty of topics that I can cover just by myself. So let me know what you think. And, and I might do some more solo meet section. Along with that, if you know me personally, then you may know what's going on behind the scenes a little bit. But my working situation is changing a little bit. So I've been doing truth and grace counseling here for several months. And I've still been working a full-time job. As this is being aired, I'm still currently working at that full-time job, but when this actually goes live, I I might not. (laughs) I I don't know exactly when this is going to be going live just yet, but I plan on being completely independent, not just with Truth and Grace Counseling, but with a few other contracting type of positions. But why that's relevant for the podcast is that really opens up my availability to try out some different things, um, opens up availability to have more guests on the podcast. And it also opens up more volunteer uh, availability for me to be on other people's podcasts. So I would love if you are uh, listening to this, watching this, and you have your own podcast, hey, shoot me an email. Um, let, let me know if you would like me to be a guest on there. Or if you're listening and you're like, hey, so-and-so's got a cool podcast, maybe maybe you should reach out to them and see if you could be on a guest on their podcast. I would love to. Um, being a guest on the show is for somebody else's show. It helps spread awareness of, of this show. And I just like networking with other people. So let me know down in the comments or shoot me an email or whatever. And I, w- I would love to to get in touch with you if you would like me on your show or, or get in touch with someone else if they would like me to, to be on their show. Just let me know. And as always, I'm always looking for new guests on my show. So uh, feel free to, to reach out if you know somebody that wants to be on here or if you yourself, you don't have to be a counselor. Um, you, I'm really just looking for anybody that is engaging their life. They're, they're doing something, not just sitting back and, and uh, wait, waiting for the world to get better. They're, they're doing something actively. So whether you're a counselor or just running a business, if you've got a group that you're doing, whatever it may be, I would love to hear your story. I also have something else that I've not talked about on the podcast just yet. I'm going to include a link down below. It's my Substack. This is just my own personal Substack. Again, with me going more independent with my work, I'm going to devote a little bit more time to that. This Substack is really just kind of my my thoughts. Um, I, I have my active blog going on Truth and Grace Counseling, which is going to be a little bit more centered to things relevant to Truth and Grace Counseling. But the Substack is going to be a little bit more personal. I'm going to cover several different types of topics. I've got some ideas that I would like to cover in there. My Substack is something that is both free and paid. Um, Anybody's welcome to subscribe for free and just check the content. But I have some projects going on that I'm really brainstorming that is going to be behind a paywall. And it's not just so I can get all the money, but it's because some of these ideas are going to 
be a, a, a kind of hard hitting on, on some issues. And um, I would like to limit some of the trolling and, and things like that if, if I can. So I'm going to link that sub stack down below. I don't have that much written on there. Um, I'll also include one of my wrong speak articles. That's why I originally got a Substack. There's a, a place called Wrong Speak Publishing, which I'm actually going to be uh, chatting one, with one of those editors here in a future episode. Um, what I like about that publication, it's a Substack. Anybody's welcome to contribute to it. You can do it right now if you would like to. And it's really just writing opinions that aren't uh, aren't always looked at well in uh, society. Um, and anyways, I, I've got a. a article linked down below about pronoun usage, which is obviously a hot button topic. So feel free to check that out. But that's something that I'm going to be updating more regularly here in the near future is just my own personal Substack. So feel free to check that down below. Something else that's going on that I'm really excited about. And again, at, at the moment of recording, I don't have all the details lined out yet, but I just wanted to talk out loud a little bit of some of this brainstorming. I'm looking into making Truth and Grace Counseling not just a hub for Christian counseling services, but also some consulting services. So I'm not going to go into too big of a detail of what the difference is, but essentially on counseling, it's going to be you know, much more of a of a give and take. I'm going to listen. I'm going to try to give some wisdom in there, but it's much more of that process of, of connecting with with me being the counselor and then the client, us connecting together. And it's going to involve a lot more listening on my end as the counselor. But in consulting, it's much more advice heavy. So I have an idea of some different uh, Christian counselors or even just more conservatively in counselors or really just any counselors that want to get started on their private practice or whatever. I have some experience being able to do this myself. I feel like my my website's pretty well put together, and I think I could help out some different counselors to get their own practice started. So that consultant is going to be much more advice heavy. I'm going to basically line out, here's some steps that I took. Here might be some steps that might be helpful for you. Um, it's not as much of me being that counselor as much as, yeah, here's some steps that I think would be helpful for you. I also want to extend that beyond just counselors getting their their private practice started. I'd like to extend that to other business owners, particularly Christian business owners. What are some ways you can structure your business to protect yourself financially from outside sources that are going to try to take you down, different uh, political correctness type of things that, um, y- you know, <laughs> that are... Uh, out to get some Christian type of owners out there. So how can you set your business up well to protect against that? Also, any type of uh, website startup. I am not a just a tech guru. I'm, I'm not the one that's going to give you IT type of information. What I can do is give you some very basic tools of how can you get your website up and running. Again, I've got my website linked down below, truthandgracecounseling.com. It's not perfect. I'm, I'm not here to say that my website is magnificent, but I did put a lot of work into it, and I think it functions very well in the sense that I fully believe everybody that goes on that website that wants my services can make that happen. I've got good contact information. I've got links everywhere about scheduling an appointment. It's very easy to navigate. And in my hometown, Duncan, Oklahoma, um, not a lot of businesses are like that, unfortunately. There's just, we're, we're kind of a smaller community and it's much more of a, um, I know so-and-so who knows so-and-so, so I go to so-and-so. It's just a lot of word of mouth, which is great. I like that. But when I Google where to get a haircut in Duncan, Oklahoma, I'm not going to get a lot of hits on that. I'm not going to get a ton of websites that I think that we're really lacking in our community that we could do a lot better job. And what I want to help some other business owners is showing it doesn't even take that much money or that much effort to get a decent website. We're talking hundreds of dollars, not thousands upon thousands, just to point people in the right direction. So all that being said, I'm offering up services for consulting for for business owners to try to 
again, just operate their business in a more effective type of capacity. And I can also bring in my counseling background with that if there's some you know, disputes or things like that, uh, coworker disputes or whatever. I, I can use my services there to maybe make a bit of a healthier workplace environment. I'm also offering this consulting service to go a little bit more than that too. I've had a lot of people reach out to me that are in different states. Like just off the top of my head, I know I've had Massachusetts, I've had Louisiana, I've had Virginia, um, people, Pennsylvania is another one here recently that have reached out to me and wanted counseling services. Well, I'm not licensed in those areas, so I can't offer that. But I can offer consulting services. Now, again, this is going to be different, and we're going to have to determine whether this is a good fit or not. But for counseling, maybe you would come to me three, four times and really just go through this kind of emotional process of figuring out what's best for you. And um, some of it's really just that processing that's super helpful. And there's going to be times where I'm just going to have to recommend, hey, find a counselor that's nearby you that you can see. But if you're sitting there and you have a very specific problem and you would like some of my guidance to help you with that specific problem, then we could skip the counseling part and just go towards consulting. And in that, again, I'm going to be a lot more directive. It's not going to be a give and take counseling relationship. It's going to be, here are these things I think that could be helpful for you. One, two, three, four, five. Let's go make it happen. And I'm going to offer several different ways to go about that. Um, again, I'm just in the brainstorming piece of this, but the, I'm thinking about offering um, through Zoom just like an hourly rate of consulting services, which is going to be higher than my counseling rate. But that's in part because consulting is meant to be more short term. Um, I, I want these things to be pretty specific and something that we can come to a conclusion with pretty quickly. If we can't, like, for instance, if, if you're coming and like, hey, I want consulting services over my childhood trauma. Let's get through this in one one go. I'm going to say no, that's that's not appropriate for consulting. But if you're dealing with some workplace drama, how can what are ways that I can make my workplace a little bit uh, less stressful? Um, what are some ways that maybe you're you're on church staff? What are some ways that we can make our church staff function a little bit more effectively? Some some processes we can put into place. Okay, great. We we can do that with consulting. So I'm thinking of offering an, an hourly rate, and then also looking into doing more of a monthly just. Uh, email type of rate so we could go back and forth via email instead of just one direct hour. Again, brainstorming. I don't have this all out. That's part of what this water cooler time is for is just me to kind of announce some of these things that are going on behind the scenes, but I, I don't have it fully announced yet. So be on the lookout for more information on consulting and let me know, particularly if you are out of state, if you're not in Oklahoma or Texas and my um, my licensed areas, and you still would like my help with some issue you're going through, let me know. And if it's something that's, again, pretty specific and something that could really, you could benefit from just more of an advice angle and my experience, my expertise might be able to help you with, that could work. Again, some of those bigger issues, um, things that are going to be more trauma-related, you know, th those big dicey issues, that's not appropriate for consulting. I'm not going to do that to you. Just taking your money. I, I, I would try to get you a resource elsewhere. On that note, um, if you are out of state and you're like, man, I, I want a counselor. I don't know who to talk to. Please still let me know. Um, I've, I've had these people in other states and I always do my best to find a recommendation for you. I have different avenues, different connections with people in different states. So even if we end up not being a fit, still let me know. And, and I would love to make sure you get help um, because I, I want I want people to get help, even if it's not with me specifically. Okay. All that being said, we'll have more updates on this in the future, um, but we'll go ahead and go to my solo meet section and let me know what you think of this. I would love to hear your opinion. The meat section. Hello and welcome to the meat section. So I'm trying something new today. 
I would love for you to write down in the comments below how you felt about this. This is going to be a solo meat section. So right now, you, you don't really know what goes on in the, on the back end, but I'm trying to build a backlog of episodes so Ian and I don't have to be in a rush to get these podcasts out all of the time. And there's going to be a lull every once in a while with having guests on. And I wanted to test this out to see what a solo podcast looks like. And if this goes over really well, I might do some more of these and, and intermix some of the interviews here and there. So I'm curious uh, of your thoughts of how you felt that this went. So today is, like I said, just going to be me. And since I don't have a guest, I normally ask everyone else what their favorite meat is. So I guess that's on me. And, you know, to be quite honest with you, I should have thought about that a little bit more beforehand. Now I kind of know what my guests feel like kind of putting them on the spot there. If I had to pick just one meat, I'm probably going to answer this more so of a meal than just a meat. Mexican food is my favorite type of food in general. And my favorite dish is the carne asada. Now, I used to say uh, carnitas, and those are still really far up there for me. If you don't know what carnitas is, that is uh, pork. Um, it's really just like a Mexican pork. It's really, really good. But I really like carne asada, which is a steak. But this steak is pretty thin. It's not your typical like a, like American, like a ribeye, where you're just eating the steak. It's thin. Uh, it usually gets a little bit crunchier-ish, not necessarily, it's not like burnt, um, but because it's thinner, it's not that big, thick steak that uh, often a lot of Americans are used to. And with the carne asada, it usually comes with a bunch of grilled jalapenos over the top of it. Um, you can put it in, in tortillas and rice and beans and, and all that good stuff. So kind of cheating a little bit. Um, steak is right up there with, with my favorites. If I had to go pound for pound, just my favorite kind of meat. Goodness. I was talking to my wife about this the other day. I've, I'm starting to really like pork too. Um, we have a new uh, smoker. It's like a Traeger, but it, it's uh, a Z grill, I think is what it is. Like an off-brand uh, Traeger. But uh, this uh, little wood pellet smoker, it uh, it can do pretty much anything that a, that a bigger smoker can do. But um, we've been doing some pulled pork with that. Um, super easy. It's part of what I love about the wood pellet grill. It's really not that difficult. Low and slow. Basically, you put things at like 225 or 250 or something and just let it be. Um, most of the work is done beforehand, getting stuff prepped. And then you just let the smoke do its thing. Um, and your meat thermometer is your best friend. That's going to going to tell you when things are done. Now, it's not just off of time. So anyways, I love meat. There's some good meat out there. I'll include uh, the Z grill down below. Um, I'm telling you, if you're intimidated by making meat, wood pellet grill is the way to go. It's very hard to just completely mess it up. If you like, just leave it on there for 10 seconds and don't cook it. Or if you crank it up all the way and leave it and burn it, then that's not going to be great. But um, when you're doing it low and slow, as long as you're checking in ever so often, you want to make sure you get that meat thermometer in the middle of whatever meat you're looking at and look at uh, what type of meat you're cooking. And I'll tell you, there's some secrets there too, that uh, with chicken, for instance, I believe it's 165 that the uh, whatever FDA or whatever approved um, number is the, the safe to eat, but it's actually a little bit more complex than that. 165, you're good to go, but there's a couple factors there. One, when you're doing a really long and slow cook, that meat is under the fire. It's being cooked for a long time. So there are a few different things you can look up. But like for chicken, if the uh, if the chicken is cooked at and it, the internal temperature is at like 155 or something like that for, let's say, two minutes. And I'll, I'll include a link that has more specific numbers so you don't go out and get food poisoning because of me. But uh, anyways, if you have it at 155 and it's been cooking for like two minutes, for instance, that could still be a safe temperature. 
as long as it's cooking for a long amount of time at that temperature, then it kills off that bacteria. The 165 number means we're just good to go. It doesn't really matter what's going on. But that's that advantage of that slow cooking is you can actually take it off a little bit earlier than you can in some other methods. And since it's been cooking for so long, it's safe to eat, but it's way juicier. Tony, I've made some chicken on there and took it off. Except I'll, I'll include links to because I can't think of it right off the top of my head. But and take it off at like 155 or something. And it's way juicier than what you normally get. Way, way juicier. And it's there's no pink in the middle for the chicken. Like it's good to go. So anyways, I've gotten off into all this, this meat discussion. Since it's just me today, I guess I can direct it in that way. So uh, the main basis of my discussion, my solo discussion today is why Truth and Grace Counseling is here. I included a blog post down there. It was my first blog post at, at truthandgracecounseling.com. Um, and that's kind of the the framework of this, but I'm, I'm going off script. And that's kind of the joy of, of doing this solo one. I can just kind of see where it goes. If you guys hate it, let me know. And uh, I can make sure that I only do uh, uh, episodes with guests from now on. But um, anyways, so Truth and Grace Counseling. I officially came up with the practice it officially went into business i believe october of 2022 um i'm filming this in in march of 2023 so hasn't been that long ago we're looking like five months ago um but what's significant about that is i had only really been planning that been thinking about it like a month prior this all happened really fast as far as putting into action but the reasons why had been back in the background for a while. So let me back up for, for quite a bit. I graduated from the University of o Oklahoma in 2013. Um, and that was with my master's, my, my master's in counseling. And I ended up getting licensed, fully licensed in the state of Oklahoma in 2015. So I've been doing this for a little while. Um, you know, roughly a, a, a decade with education and, and then just work experience. I've been a Christian during that entire time. Don't get me wrong. There's been some ups and downs and, and I've had some theological changes here and there. Um, I've had some depths and, and, you know, mountaintop experiences all over the place. But Christianity has always been there. Um, I, I've always known that I've been saved. I've had that saving faith, faith of Christ in me. Um, but I never had that desire to be explicitly Christian as a counselor. My idea was always going to be a counselor that's a Christian. So I fought with different, uh, there's a lot of different theories out there that are just, I would argue, not very compatible with the Christian faith. Um, and I've always been able to kind of weave through um, just some of the nonsense and being able to talk about truth in ways that, again, not explicitly Christian, but I did my best to lead even my secular clients not down a path that I think was very destructive. Like, for instance, I've had clients that have been um, contemplating abortion, for instance. And in those positions, I couldn't say, no, don't do this. That wasn't really my role. But just the words, the actions I would do, um, I, I did my best to really challenge some things and, and try to steer in a certain direction. But I just have to be very careful in those roles because I wasn't explicit, explicitly Christian and it wasn't necessarily my job to, um, you know, to preach towards them. Um, but I, I, I still felt that I was at least leading them down a path that could lead to Christianity or could lead to some fruit in their life. And by and large, I was okay with this. There were some um, some difficulties here and there, um, but by and large, pretty decent. On, on the last episode, I talked with Jack, um, that counseling student, about my experience of interviewing at OU and how I was open about how one of my struggles, they asked like, uh, a clientele that you would struggle working with. And I answered, this was like 2011, um, I answered that working with homosexuals, just in the sense that um, my religious beliefs were were that um, homosexuality was was a sinful life lifestyle, sinful practice, 
um, which I, I still hold to that, by the way. Um, and I wasn't saying that I couldn't work with them, but that was a, sh- a struggle. And what was telling, this is 2011 again, um, my, the professor, which again, I think is a lesbian, I don't know that, but um, definitely left-leaning, very left-leaning, but she was appreciative of my honesty. And we were able to work together, even though we had some significant differences, um, we were still able to work with each other. I don't think if I was a student right now, particularly at a secular university and had that same conversation, I don't think I would have made it into that university. Um, The winds have shifted so much. Activism is so much a part of the education of the counseling field and, and just the practice of it that I don't think my views would be welcome um, and in a, definitely in a secular environment and honestly, probably a, a lot of Christian counseling environments. So I've seen that just kind of through the grapevines, um, through different, uh, there, there's things called CEUs. Uh, a lot of professions use this. Uh, continuing education units is what that stands for. We have to get so many to, to keep our license. So there are just a lot of CEUs that are pretty left-leaning of uh, just a bunch of diversity stuff and LGBTQI plus and just there's just a lot of stuff out there. So um, I've known that the leftward drift that's always been there, but it's really, really drifting the, the last several years. Even if it hadn't impacted my individual jobs, I knew the field was was going that way. So that's been kind of in the back of my mind. And then we shift into um, my last kind of in-person full-time job, which um, some of you uh, know me personally. So um, my wife and I, we moved back to Duncan, Oklahoma. That's where we currently live. Moved back there in 2018. Um, Moved there because I had a job opportunity at Duncan Regional Hospital. And at this hospital, I was doing uh, group counseling with senior adults. Um, really a cool job. Uh, had a lot of senior adults that were either in nursing homes or assisted living facilities, um, just people that have lost their spouses or uh, just going through a lot of tough stuff. And uh, running those groups was just really fun. Um, I, I felt like I was able to be show more of my values in a in a in a helpful therapeutic type of way, but also just the environment was just so different. Um, really enjoyed that job. And to be quite honest with you, I had always intended to stay there um, for for the long term. I I really, really enjoyed that job. Well, as you are all aware of, that started to, uh, things shifted in just in general in 2020. Um, Here again, uh, moment of recording, it's just past the three-year anniversary of the 15 Days to Slow the Spread. It's been a heck of a 15 days, huh? Only three years of, of slowing the spread down. Now, now, granted, this past year has been a far less cry just in general, even in more liberal states. A lot of these restrictions are very much eased, but goodness, um, it changed a lot. Um, I, I, I'll tell you, I was kind of vocally opposed to this in, in the beginning just because it was so rash. Um, the psychological components, you didn't need to wait and see what the results were going to be. We knew that by shutting people in. But my hope was 15 days. We can do this for 15 days. I might disagree with it, but we can do it for 15 days. And I'll tell you, I was heavy into this stuff. I'm talking, looking at numbers every day. Um, There was this uh, University of Washington, um, I guess, uh, I forget what they call it, but just this uh, graph that they used, uh, this prediction of if we don't shut down, X amount of lives are going to be lost. If we don't shut down, the hospitals are going to be overwhelmed. Now, granted, back then, this was uh, slow the spread. It was, uh, oh gosh, I'm, I'm blanking on, on what this is. I'll I'll include this down below if I if I can't think of the word, um, but uh, how they were they were the the graphs where they're going to spike, so we're, we're really going to flatten the curve. There we go. That's what I was struggling to come up with. We're going to flatten the curve. Doesn't that seem so foreign? Flatten the curve. That's originally what the idea was. It wasn't get rid of the curve. 
It was flatten it, make it make it less steep and then down because we didn't want to overrun the hospitals. So fine, 15 days, we're going to do that, right? Well, I'm following this scale, um, this, this kind of predictor. And I remember New York, that was the first place that really kind of was the, the hotbed. I know there's other places that were hit, but I remember looking at their predictions and it would, I'm, I'm making these numbers up, but the scale was something to this degree. It would be like tomorrow there's going to be, we're going to need 10,000 ventilators. Like next week, we're going to need 20,000 ventilators. We're, we're going to need this amount of hospital beds, like grand, 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 grand numbers. And there's something called confidence intervals. And I'm not a statistician. I don't know all the details, but I know enough about it to kind of be dangerous. Um, but there's these confidence intervals that basically they will name a percentage. In this case, it was like 95%. So they were 95% confidence that these numbers were going to be between here. Um, and again, I'm making this up because I don't remember. And I don't even honestly know if there's a way to go back and find these. I would love to if anyone's watching this and they know about that University of Washington like predictor thing back in March, April um, 2020, that's Dr. Burks and Dr. Fauci. That's what they used to shut down the country. Um, the There was the Imperial College or whatever in England, that kind of a similar thing. Again, numbers were wildly off. They're saying 95% sure it's going to be here. And I, I don't know how well it's going to come here on camera, but it's like down. You can't even see me. It's down here. Um, it's way down here. So if they're saying it's going to be, we think it's going to be 10,000. Here's the upper of 20,000 ventilators tomorrow. And here's the lower of, we know it's going to at least be a thousand. It'd be like 500. It'd be like 200. They weren't within the 95% con confidence intervals. They were way off, like way, 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 way off. I'll try to include a few other links that during this time, one of the other telling things, they were coming up with these um, hospitals that they were just building, like they were temp buildings. They did this in China, but they really went to these big cities and made these big hospitals available. Same thing in New York. They got those big, uh, those big ships, those Navy ships out there available. The Navy ship that won, it had like two people or something. There are a few cities that they resurrected these or, or constructed these makeshift hospitals. And some of them saw no patients at all. This is like April 2020. And I'm thinking at that point, I'm still naive thinking, well, this is good. And, and I still think that's good that there, it wasn't the black plague and people are just dying on the street. But I'm thinking at that point, it's April. We've done some damage. We're, we're, we're going to face some issues, but we're going to shift course maybe by May, June, definitely by the summer, fairly back to normal. I was pretty naive back then, I must say. Um, but when that didn't happen, and, and I, I can't remember what the exact date was that they announced like the 30 day to slow the spread, that continuation that it kept going, I, I distinctly remember. Um, I'm, I'm in my bedroom right now. You can't see back behind me, but um, I, I was laying on my bed watching this um, back in those days. I don't know. Don't know if you remember. Um, it was all about watching those press conferences. It's like it was like the only thing that was on. So everybody's watching it and I'm watching it. It was out on the lawn, the White House lawn. And my heart sank um, because I, I knew that this was nefarious at that level, because the numbers that they were giving us Again, 95% confidence interval was way below, way, way, way below. There was no justification for what they were doing. And I knew that they knew that, that that was the issue. It wasn't, hey, we did this 15 day to slow the spread. We're being super cautious. Um, this is still a risk, particularly for, for people that are senior adults, still a risk. Yes. But it's not good for everybody to just stay in and, and not interact. That's what I was hoping because that would have been the rational um, appropriate response, but it's not what we got. And and you all know what happened from there. Um, just continued on. And 
in the hospital was very frustrating. I'll, I'll tell you, um, because I work with senior adults, You're supposed to wear these masks all the time. They can't hear you. They read lips. Um, these people craved human interaction. Um, and I didn't feel like I could fully give it to them. And there, I, I even had a few patients that either, um, died of unrelated causes or died of COVID. And I know they died alone and it's unacceptable. Um, I know we can look back hindsight's 2020. I've talked before about, um, There's this Atlantic article that was talking about um, just the need for um, amnesty. Hey, we didn't know what we're doing, so let's let's sweep it on the rug. There's no excuse for that. I I don't care what um, regulations or whatever that that's that are around to know these people that I cared about that died without human dignity, without somebody holding their hand, without just somebody there by their side or the other side too. Um, I know there's many people in nursing homes that died not of COVID, but uh, of broken hearts, of loneliness. No excuse. I'm sorry. There's just no excuse for that. And the reason why all these places did it was because of the regulations in place, because they were beholden to Medicare all these government restrictions, and they would pull funding unless you follow the rules. And that sat very poorly with me. Um, we, we are basically the government's monkey. And if they say jump, we say how high. Um, that's not the way I want to run business. That's not the way I want to deal with people. Um, and there's just no excuse for it, quite frankly. There, there's no excuse for it. So let's fast forward a little bit more. Um, we get into t- to 2021, um, we, we get some of the, uh, um, you know, the, the Delta variant, all that stuff. So there's some of that we're thinking maybe these restrictions will just go away. Then we get the Delta. So they kind of pop up a little bit more. And then our president um, comes up with uh, both the, the OSHA mandates, which that's the one that's more popular, that this the Supreme Court did eventually strike down. Um the, that was for companies, uh, I can't remember the exact number, but over like 500 employees, something like that, um, that they had to force all their employees to, to get the COVID shot. And also along with that, there's the healthcare mandate. And it was very frustrating um, because when OSHA got struck down, people were like, hey, well, that means you don't have to get the shot. Um, t- talking about me. And that wasn't the case because the healthcare mandate was was separate and it was a lot more extreme. There was no um, testing option. It was basically get a religious exemption, which the, the hospital at the time um, said that they were going to be very sparse on that or you're fired. That, that, that was essentially it. And again, I had really followed COVID, a lot of the numbers, a whole lot. When it came to the shot, I'd flip-flopped a little bit. Um, First, I was like, well, I don't know how bad it will be. Maybe I'll just do it. I've gotten the flu shot or whatever. But the more and more that I had looked at the follies of uh, just COVID in general, like, I don't trust this. And I'm young. I'm healthy. Why don't I just give it a while? And then these mandates came and forced my hand. And to be quite honest, I, I sat there and I thought, I can do this. I even met with my pastor and pastor, not my pastor. Um, I bought some land. There's some pasture out there, I guess, but my pastor I met met with him and we discussed and um, basically said, hey, I'm free to, you know, to, to make the decision I see fit. But I did not go for a religious exemption um, because I don't believe my reason for going against it was primarily because of my Christian faith. Um, I, I believe it was my reason to primarily go against it was because I disagreed with the shot, disagreed with the mandate, and I was concerned about long-term effects. We fast forward a couple years and we see a lot of people dying suddenly. I'm not ready to say that's simply because of the coronavirus shot, but I don't know. Um, all I know is that I, I chose not to get the vaccine and I've not had any problems. 
I know I probably got COVID. I never got tested, but I probably got it. Um, as most people in my age demographic, I'm, I'm 34 now, relatively good health, try to stay fairly active. It was unpleasant, but I was okay. Um, I was for sure not going to make my kids do that. I, I don't do experiments on, on my children. Um, but I wanted some long-term data before I got this shot. And I don't feel that's unreasonable. Even if you're listening here and you chose to got, get the shot, um, that's fine. Uh, that's fine if you felt that was the best decision. And and I sincerely hope that I, 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 this, is, this is an aside, but I do think people on the right sometimes we almost get it. I've seen people almost get excited when somebody dies suddenly and like, oh, it must have been the shot. Like, even if that's true, and I get it, there's been a lot of stuff thrown our way, but we don't need to be excited about people dying, people like that. Let's let's not do that. Um, but I, I sincerely hope if you're listening, you have the shot. I hope you stay safe. And you probably will, honestly, even if it is affecting a lot of people like the odds of it affecting you are probably quite small. But all that being said, I wanted long term data. And how can I have long term data of something that just came out? You you can't. So they were going to force me. Well, um, it was going to be, the, let's say, I, I don't remember the exact dates, but it was something like that coming Monday. Um, I was going to be fired and it was a Wednesday. So basically I had two work days left before I was fired. And ultimately a judge did put a stay on it um, for the healthcare mandate on, in the it wasn't the Supreme Court. It was the somebody in, in one of the federal district courts. Um, so I never got fired. But in the meantime, I did get a, a telehealth job, which didn't require a shot. Um, but uh, anyways, I, I would have been fired if I had stayed there because that did eventually get up, upheld by the Supreme Court. So that um, I would have either had to have gotten the shot or um, got a religious exemption. And I wasn't going to get a religious exemption because that wasn't my primary reason to decline. So I would have been fired, but I, I got a good opportunity that came my way. Um, so instead of just waiting it out, I, I chose to um, to take that opportunity. And it's been good. Um, it's not been a, a Christian counseling place, but um, just the longer this goes, particularly with the transgender movement, um, it's... I don't see a way for me to just be a Christian that's a counselor anymore. We are getting in such a divided culture um, that I feel the need to be a little bit more vocal of my values. And I'm up front. You can even see this in, in my website, my informed consent. You don't have to agree with, with what I say. You don't have to be a Christian to see me. You don't have to be a conservative and see me. but. I want to be upfront. Here's where I'm coming from. Here's kind of my values. And my hope is that people that primarily wouldn't come and talk to anybody because they look at TikTok, they look at lips of TikTok, they they see these clips of these counselors that are affirming people left and right. You hear these stories of detransitioners that have had therapists to say, yep, you're transgender, go get that surgery. And they don't trust us. They don't trust counselors. And to be quite honest, why should they? When you see the field, when you see some of the things that uh, the ACA, the, the American Counseling Association, the APA, American Psycholog Psychological Association, see some of the things they support, transgenderism, um, supporting every LGBTQI++ initiative out there different critical theory type of things seeping into the field. Why should they trust us? Our, our, our field has gone off the rails. And to be quite honest with you, um, part of why I, I went this way was it was to position myself for what I, I hope I'm wrong with this, but what I feel the inevitability of me losing my license at some point because I'm, I'm not going to play along with these things. I'm happy to treat somebody that is transgender, a gay, lesbian, whatever it may be for their depressive symptoms, for anxiety, for the trauma, whatever it may be. But I'm not going to just be this activist cheerleader. It's not what I got into this field for. 
God in this field for people that are dealing with issues, we can process through them, get to the root of whatever the issue is and work with that. So much of the field's just activism now. Team LGBTQI+, whatever they support. Team CRT, Black Lives Matter. Let's, let's do it, baby. I live in rural Oklahoma, okay? It's just so arrogant to think that the values of rural Oklahoma, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter for mental health. Their mental health doesn't matter. There are people that talk about not treating Trump supporters. It, it it's just astounding what this field really um, has become, and I say that in a macro sense. Micro, there's a lot of there's a lot of great therapists around, and honestly, the majority probably are going to be pretty decent. But there's enough rotten apples that I don't see. I I'll tell you, if I'm sitting here and just in my life, and I need a counselor, um, I'm going to be very selective. I'm not going to pick just a generic counselor that doesn't really kind of set where they're coming from because I I don't trust them. I don't trust this field. And I hate that. I do. But I want to position myself. That's why I'm opening consulting. That's why I'm doing this free support group. I'm trying to position myself to where I'm providing services that the state can't touch. If I'm giving a free support group and we're, I would love to be funded by, by donations, by what you can give in these free support groups, that's not therapy. That's a support group. If you come to me for consulting, that's consulting. That's not therapy. And, and I'm upfront with that. Um, there, there will be paperwork that says that, and I will direct those differences. I'm not pulling pulling the wool over anyone's eyes or, or, or doing anything shady. I'm not trying to be, go over the line of being ethical, I'm trying to do dot every I cross every T so I don't get into ethical issues, um, so I don't get into uh, licensure issues. But I, I think it's a matter of time, to be quite honest, that somebody that's holding biblical values will not be able to be a professional counselor. And I can sit there and whine about it. I can. I can pitch a fit. I, I, I can cry on here all I want, or I can do something about it. And and I'm choosing to do something about it. That's why I made this place. This is my practice. Yes, if I'm going to practice under the guise of professional counseling, then I have to have have the license and things like that. But if that means at some point I lose my license and I drop that counseling from the bottom of, of truth and grace counseling, and I become truth and grace consulting, well, I'm, I'm going to become a consultant and I'll change my style a little bit. It won't be counseling. It'll be more guidance. We'll do that. If I want to go a different angle, forget the LPC and let me go into coaching. Something that's not as reg, uh, regulated right now. I'll drop that counseling. I'll add a coaching and I'll mention the differences between the two. If I get to the point and say, you know what? Forget this. Let's just call it biblical counseling. It's not secular in any way, shape, or form. Then we'll just, instead of dropping counseling, we'll add biblical counseling to then the truth and grace. I want to position myself to where I am not beholden to the United States federal government to dictate my values. That's why I'm not accepting insurance. I know that right now in the beginning, um, it, it's losing a little bit of business. I get that. Um, I, I'm, I'm trying to not rush this for that reason. I am not going to be beholden to these insurance companies and to the federal government to dictate how I run things in my business. I'm not going to. Um, that that takes a certain amount of sacrifice. It takes a certain amount for me to position things in ways to, um, to help me succeed because it, it does make it more difficult. It does. And what I'm urging you for me telling you the story is think about what you're doing, about your career. Um, whether you're a counselor, if you are a restaurant owner, um, if you work at Walmart, I don't care what it is, but don't wait for things to get bad. Don't wait. I don't want to wait for the day that I'm working a normal job and I tell a client the wrong thing and they report me and I lose my license because of my biblical values. 
I don't want to wait for that day. I want to be prepared now. You think about that too, because your values matter. And there are some things, there are some sacrifices that have to happen, but prepare yourself. Think about some other ways that you can get income. I'm thinking about ways outside of just truth and grace counseling. I'm thinking about some real estate. Um, again, the consulting angle, I think, is a, is a place that I'm really, really going to invest more time, both into different businesses and individuals, more of that guidance aspect. Offer some things for free. As much as that free support group sounds like, boy, you, you dumb dumb, you're not going to get money if something's free. By me offering that, there is some financial component there by, by having a donation link. And, and I'm hopeful that that will start taking off um, just by people that believe in that, believe in that mo- movement. Position yourself. Don't wait. Don't wait for things to get bad. You make bad decisions when you're faced with a very bad spot. I was determined when that Wednesday before I was going to get fired, that I was not going to be in this position again. To be caught flat-footed and not know what to do. To be faced with making a decision that I want to make just out of necessity. Um, dictated by the President of the United States, to be quite frank. Um, I was determined to not be in that situation I, I, again. And I'll tell you, I'm currently in a, in a situation where my full-time job um, is, is in flux. And I've got a lot of different angles I can take. Um, I, I'm not saying that I am that I'm perfect or that there's no holes in these plans. I'm sure I'm going to make a lot of mistakes along the way, but I'm not waiting for the bad thing to happen. Not waiting for the next bad thing to happen and then maybe be caught flat-footed and ultimately might have to make a decision to put food on the table that I don't want to make. Prepare. Don't live in fear. Don't live in a bunker to where you're just super scared about doing anything. But prepare. Position yourself. If you thought about making a, a business, don't have to go make it right now, but how could you get a little bit closer? How can you run things in your life? How can you prepare to get income in non-traditional nine-to-five type of ways? Think about it. Get yourself out there. Don't live in fear, but act. Don't react to the bad things. Don't react to the bad news. Do something before. So, that's kind of the quick cliff notes version of why I started the truth and grace counseling is seeing COVID seeing the, the realm of, of my field. I don't want to be holding by those values because quite frankly, if they tell me I have to affirm transgenderism, I have to affirm this clear boy that, um, that's saying they're a girl. Um, I have to pretend like that's a girl. Kind of goes back to my, my last word I had in the last episode of, of kindness. That's not kind. It's not kind by lying to people that way, by not exploring what the true issues are. I'm going to do my job. I'm going to do my job to explore these issues and to point them in fruitful directions. That's my job. It's not my job to fix people, um, but I can use my my guidance, my support. And in my business, I can use my faith. Um, to, to help direct people. And what they do with that is what they, they will do. But um, I love I love this position. I love the clients that I see here getting to be truly authentic um, with my clients and seeing the work that they do. It's fantastic. If you have, uh, if you're sitting there, you're a counselor or, or a business owner, I'm like, man, I want, I want to change my business. Things aren't going well, not just financially, but um, spiritually at, at, at my work. Um, I don't feel fulfilled. I don't feel like morally we're doing things the right way. Feel free to call me. Talk to me. Uh, I got a free consultation link down here. I would love to work with you. Um, even some technical aspects. If you're like, hey, I really want to get some uh, some businesses uh, going my way with my, my websites and stuff, um, but I don't know how to do a website. Let me know. I'm, I'm not a website expert, but I can help you. Um, I, I see a lot of people that are just timid. They don't know that first step, and I think I can help a lot of you. So give that link a call down down below or that phone number a call or the the link down there i've got some boxes that that can fill up for free consultation if you're interested in either my counseling services or my consultation services all right well i hope that you liked the solo meet section let me know what you thought about it if you really really like it and you want to see more of this let me know tired of hearing your ugly mug i want to go back to the guest uh let me know I, i'd love to hear your feedback 
the last word. Today's last word is anger. Now, many of you listening to this podcast are probably Christian, and within Christian circles, anger is an emotion that kind of gets a bad rap. Now, don't get me wrong. Anger is an emotion that can really lead to some bad behaviors. Ephesians 4.26 mentions, in your anger, do not sin. So, in that, it, it implies that, hey, when you're angry, you definitely can sin. And don't get me wrong, there's a lot of times in our anger that we can do a lot of silly, bad things. Think about this. If, if you're listening in your car right now, I often listen to podcasts in my car. Think about if somebody cuts you off in traffic. You know, you're not happy about that. And you're probably going to get at least some level of upset, some type of anger. It can just stay there. They cut me off. I was a little upset. And then I just leave it there. That's not a sin. That that anger in that moment just popped up. They, they came out, cut you off. That could have endangered you if you got kids in your car. Yeah, that's going to make you upset because you want to protect your life and the people around you. Where that starts to spin out of control is now if I start yelling things back, uh, maybe I try to run them off the road, get into a road rage incident. Okay, now we're crossing that line. The issue with anger is that can all happen in a split second to where maybe I thought it was a righteous anger for them cutting me off, which it could be, into now it's a selfish anger. Now I'm going to run them off the road. How dare they do this to me? But think about that. goes back to to me. That's where we need to be very careful with, with anger, because anger flames up into where we are just not very rational when we're angry. Nobody is. And that irrational, just intense burning anger can turn into self-righteous anger instead of a righteous anger. So what do I mean by that? Self-righteous, again, it's putting yourself above. If I'm angry, let's say, I'll throw myself under the bus. Let's say I'm upset at my kids. My kid um, back talks me. Okay. I'm initially angry and I should have some level of anger, right? Being as a dad, being back talked to, that's going to make me feel a certain way. And that anger can actually serve a very useful tool that that's signaling to me, okay, my child is disrespecting me. I need to do something. I need to act. I can't let my child talk to me this way. I need to help train my child. That's my job as a parent. And that emotion is a tool to help signal to me, okay, I got to do something. The issue is, again, this can all happen super fast, is that can turn from, oh, here's an alert that I need to act. And then it becomes to how dare my child disrespect me and I can't believe she talked to me that way. What's wrong with her? I need to punish her. And real quick, that doesn't become how do I make this a teaching moment for my child? How do I let her know that, hey, God says to honor your mother and father, and that was dishonoring me. That anger can lead to that, but oftentimes it doesn't. It leads into how could my child disrespect me and forget about my child respecting me or doing what God commands. It's just about me. She hurt my pride. And that pride can really skew that anger and make it used for very self-righteous means, for my own means, and not righteous means. Righteous means for anger is something that that anger is being placed for a right reason. If somebody came and attacked my family, you're darn right I'm going to be angry. And I would say that that would be righteous in the sense that if I'm doing my God-given my God-given task of protecting my family, that anger is serving a righteous purpose by protecting my family. Now, let's take that same situation. Attacker comes after my family. I protect them, and then the attacker leaves. And then a week later, I'm still gunning for that attacker who's no longer a threat. Now, I'm not saying um, calling the police and letting uh, the, the justice system take care of this attacker. No, that, that would be very appropriate. But when that immediate threat is over, they're not attacking my family in that moment, and I'm seeking them out still, 
that's no longer righteous. That's self-righteous. That's my own pride. And I'm looking for my own vengeance. Well, guess what? Vengeance is not mine. That's not my property. Vengeance is mine, thus saith the Lord. Vengeance is God's. God has a very righteous anger. He is pure. He is all righteous. But he has anger. And we need to be careful when we look at anger as a bad, awful thing to be avoided at all costs. No, we don't need to avoid it. But we do need to be very cautious in how we wield that anger. Because if we don't have our hearts right, and if we're not slow to anger, we need to be very, very slow to it, then it will overtake us. If we are very slow, we're patient, we're protective with that anger, I'll tell you, there is nothing more dangerous than the wrath of a patient man. I think about that with myself. I'm not a very, you know, vengeful, angry person. I've never been in a fist fight or anything like that. So I'm pretty patient. And I'm not going to say I'm perfect with my anger. It's not about that. But if you see me and I've lost my cool and I am just all out fury angry, which would probably only happen, honestly, if, if you threaten my kids or, or my wife, that that's when that would come out. You better watch out. I'm not saying that to be some big, tough, bad guy, but I know what it takes to protect my family and I will do that at all cost. So that actually makes me more effective by keeping that anger close to my chest and only wielding it when it's necessary. When my family's life's at stake, yeah, it's necessary. But if I just let it flame out because somebody called me a bad name, somebody cut me off in traffic, my team lost, I just let that anger flame, 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 flame. When it actually comes time to protect my family, it's not going to be as intensive as I would need it to be. I've not learned how to control that anger and wield it. So control it. Be a master of this anger and not let it control you. I hope, I pray that I never have to use any of that pent-up anger um, to save my family in, in an aggressive attacker situation. I pray that I don't, but if I do, I'm going to be ready, and I'm going to use it. If you're a father out there, a dad, you probably understand what I'm saying. You don't ever want to have to come after an attacker, but if you do, you're not going to think about it. You're going you're gonna to do it because you love your family. Think of your anger in that way. Is it worth it for me to express all of this angst, all of this stuff flaming out super intensive for something little? Odds are it's probably not. So learn to be very slow to this anger. Learn to express your anger in appropriate ways. Maybe that is through journaling. Maybe that's through talking with your spouse about an issue you had at work. Control it. Don't let it control you. Because what can easily happen I'm upset at my boss at work, and then I go home and take it out on my wife and kids. It's not right. It's not the way that we're supposed to use our anger. That anger needs to be used in a righteous way. The ways that we are tempted to use it in a very prideful and self-righteous way, we need to ask for forgiveness from God and repent. It's not good enough just to say, I was wrong. That's a good starting place. It is. We need to seek forgiveness when we do something wrong. That's good, both from, from Christ um, and then also from those around us that we have wronged. That's a great place to start. But then we repent. We turn away from that. We don't let that anger continue to control us. And that might mean that you need to continually pray about how to control your anger. That might mean you need to put better boundaries on relationships that you have in, in your life, whether that be at home or at work. But you cannot let that anger control you, or you will never be the man or woman that you could be. That anger needs to be controlled and needs to be used in the right places and towards the right people. Thank you so much for listening to another episode of the Truth and Grace Counseling Podcast. If you would like to help out the show, there's a few very basic, easy things you can do. First off, if you're on YouTube or Rumble, please consider giving this video a like. It really does help with the algorithm. Leave a comment down below as well. Those things, they really do matter. 
Also, consider sharing this video or podcast, depending on what you're listening on. If you're on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, consider leaving a five-star review and leaving a comment. Again, all those things that really do matter with the algorithm and helping push the show further. If you would like to support a little bit further, I've got links, as always, to my website, truthgracecounselingpodcast.com got the good stuff section with different books and resources available that are no charge to you but if you purchase on through those links i do get a bit of a kickback and then also consider giving a donation to help support the show um i really enjoy making this content but it does cost money um and it, it would be really helpful to to have some of that financial support as well thank you again for watching and i hope to catch you on the next episode